there's this boys. I know Rowdy threw a, a little little teehee joke in the DM group yesterday. <laughs> RJ, your guy is at the transfer portal. It took yeah. a little bit to find out. Rowdy, you want to tell the folks or RJ shed a little tear for who Rowdy hit the transfer portal? Julius Davis, obviously now a former Wisconsin Dion. running back from the state of Wisconsin. Hey, still might be able to come back. <laughs> yeah, if no one wants him. Yeah. Uh, he has he has officially going to be graduating this spring and looking to be a grad transfer with two years of football eligibility left. A guy now, that when he came in, like we're like, all right, this guy's gonna be good, and then well, he's a four star, got offers from all around the yeah. country, and then um, the doghouse. His biggest play you can remember was a fumble return for a touchdown <laughs> that he fumbled. Rowdy, and, yeah. Rowdy you uh, sniffed out something in the, his uh, his letter that he put on well, social media. It, so it's, his story was being an in-state recruit that was, yeah, highly respected coming out of high school, comes to Wisconsin, gets a shot, and doesn't necessarily perform. Not and then, all. you know, he had some fumbles in there, which were kind of an issue. And then Settle, who was the runnings back coach at the time, there were whispers or rumors saying that, hey, you know, Julius Davis might be in the doghouse because he's kind of got a fumbling issue here. Uh-huh. Well, you know, the, the career plays out and he never really gets a, a ton of run in the starting the starting role or even in the backup or, or third string role. And, you know, it, it never really worked out. He's the fumbling issues were there, but then at the same time, it's like he never really performed when given the, the few opportunities. And now going into last year, settle had left. He still was kind of in the quote unquote doghouse. And now they bring in Luke fickle and staff, which is a completely new staff. So you would say, Hey, this guy has a new opportunity. Yeah. Everything. The, the slate is, is clean. He still was not doing anything. He was not in the top three or four running backs. You could argue that he was probably in the bottom five or six running backs on the roster. And I think the writing was kind of finally on the wall here for Julius Davis that he wasn't going to play at Wisconsin and he wasn't going to cut it. And I, you know, you look back on it. Was he he ever given a chance? He had some, he had some games where he got carries, but I think at this point, you look back on it, was he really in the doghouse? I know he had some fumbling issues early, but that isn't enough if you're that good because we have seen really good running backs that have had some fumbling issues that still were able to hold on to their number one job, let alone being number two or three, and you know be drafted high-profile NFL running backs like, I don't know, Adrian Peterson, Amon Green, like these, these are guys that were phenomenal and still had what some would consider a fumbling issue. <laughs> I just don't think he was ever good enough. He, I don't think it was a doghouse. I just don't think he was that good. And the fumbling didn't help. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Sorry. Wow. I'm laughing at my, Jen. My wife is messaging me because she's watching Twitch. And oh. it was, it was, Hi, Jen. I, I was mimicking some things because we're trying to get route. We're, oh. we're trying to find love for. Anyway, I'll, I'll just stop it right there. We're just trying to help some. Trying I'm tr- to find love in a hopeless place. I'm trying to help out my brothers over here. I'm trying to help out my boys. 
All right. But yes, uh, so Julius Davis in the uh, the transfer portal. There's another one. But then on the, the Lord taketh away and the Lord giveth, boys. What? Because yesterday, another commitment. Who doesn't want to play for Luke Fickle? Another commitment coming in. A wide receiver from Illinois. Yeah. You see this guy? I mean, that's is one. It, is, it, is, it, is it Kyan? Kyan? Sure. It's like Ryan, but with a K. Yeah. There's no R. What, once he's good, we'll Or maybe it out. it's like Ryan Sandberg, so Kyan. Kyan? Kyan? Barry Johnson. He's from Bolingbrook, Illinois. Yeah. But how about the Luke Fickle and co- Going into Chicagoland once again and grabbing another recruit. Yeah. It's that they really said the state of Wisconsin and Chicago are going to be their key spots. And then they've, uh, they'll open their circle up to uh, Detroit and down into Ohio. Because so, that's one yeah. thing that Wisconsin really hasn't done that well is recruit the Chicago area. Yeah. Like you look at. Um, some of the schools in the Big Ten that recruit the Chicago area much better than Wisconsin. Well, clearly, let's throw out the Ohio State, Penn State, Michigans because they are who they are. But Michigan State recruits Chicago pretty well. Yeah, obviously uh, Illinois. It's right in their well, kind of their backyard, more Northwestern's backyard. But I I do know there is a very large contingent of Chicago alumni who have made a concerted effort to tell the university as a whole to start recruiting Chicagoland kids. Um, and like, hey, we have money for you if you start <laughs> actually trying. <laughs> so, I mean. But it's nice to see because that's another. I remember when Lovey Smith was hired by the Illinois Fighting Illini. Yeah that one of his big goals was keeping kids in state of Illinois and more specifically recruiting Chicagoland yep. because there is a lot of athletes and talent that come out of that area. I mean, even going back to the seventies, like, yeah, the teams weren't that great, but a lot of the guys who were moving on to the NFL from Wisconsin were Chicago area kids. Yeah. So, I mean, if Illinois at, at that time was going to be putting a premium on Chicagoland kids and Illinois, when they're hiring Lovey Smith, had had some success with Ron Zook in a couple of years. But other than that, it had been pretty Ron's bare a, for yeah. a while. And now Lovey Smith didn't get it done. Now we're on to Brett Bielema. But still, there's clearly a lot of talent in that area. They are now dipping into it, it seems like, more and more the last couple seasons, or I guess the last couple recruiting seasons since Luke Fickle and company have gotten here. But I, I did read the Evan Flood 24-7 article, and I find it interesting that uh, Barry Johnson just felt super comfortable and loved everything about Madison. And it, it was funny because I guess... It's one of those... When you're on campus, you can't help but fall in love with it. I can't help that was the issue. In love <laughs> but I find it funny you. that uh, in the article it states how he was told by the basically the recruiting guys that um, hey, we only have one scholarship for a receiver this upcoming year Fight because sure you know they brought in all those transfers that are still eligible for multiple seasons and and you already I had you. a decent amount of receivers uh, recruited in 2023 so like hey you. we have one scholarship and he goes you know what 
I wanted it. Why not be me? But then if you keep reading in the article, he talks about how there are other really good players in the Chicagoland area that he is friends with that he is going to help get to Madison. And that being now a big four star running back. Yes, there yeah. is an Imerian Stewart. I think I'm saying his first name right. Nailed it. He is a wide receiver out of Kenwood Academy oh. and running back Darian Dupree. Yeah, out oh, of Mark, Dupree. Uh, Mount Carmel. You yeah. and Dupree references. So those up. are and supposedly these three guys all know each other because of I guess camps and playing yeah. and blah blah blah. So he was going to try and help recruit Stewart and Dupree. Stewart. My only the, interesting the other two fact, are four stars, correct? Yeah, they're yeah. they're the only Ugh. interesting fact that I find about this. <laughs> is Barry Johnson was told that there was only one receiver scholarship, but then he's going to try and help recruit Imerian Stewart, who's also a wide receiver. Maybe they'll put, <laughs> maybe they'll, maybe they'll put him at quarterback and give him a quarterback scholarship. Yeah. We'll just throw a tag of athlete. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, athlete. That's my favorite tag. He's an athlete. 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 Yeah, three-star recruit, 18th best player in the state of Illinois, 108th best wide receiver in the country, five foot ten, 160 pounds. Boy, needs some weight on him for Barry Johnson. Well, yeah. he's a slot receiver. Yeah, yeah. 160. We gotta get, we gotta blow no, him up a little bit. I mean, that, that's something. Once you get here, he'll put on 15 yeah. pounds. Yeah. We gotta blow him up a little but bit. But that's yeah. the thing. It's like um, if you follow our sports director Zach Heilprin on Twitter, and you see kind of the guys that have been turning heads for spring practice as the Wisconsin Badgers continue their spring practice. They're tiny. Will Pauling (laughs) is one of the guys that he said is, man, this guy can play. Will Pauling was a guy that came from Cincinnati that was a freshman last year. He's only like 5'10", 180 pounds. So he's not a big guy, but he's fast as hell, quick as hell, and plays in the slot. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Also, some uh, new news on the NIL front we'll have to get to. Oh. Oh, They're like getting – like – those kind of guys, you think of like Brandon Williams when when you see Be some Will? of these guys. You think of like Alex Erickson when you see some of these Love guys. Love Alex so Erickson. Like, think of uh, Luke Swan. Well, the game so go, is Go changing. down the list and look at like half the great receivers we uh, always talk about. And Wes, yes, the Wel- offense Wes Welker tri- changed the game. Right. When, yeah. There's when, slot uh, receivers here yeah. at Wisconsin. When yeah. the Patriots came up with more of you know the slot receiver and Wes Welker broke onto the scene. Because Wes Welker, Wes Welker Wes <laughs> was in the NFL before he was a Patriot. Like he played for Miami and specifically did like punt and kick return. Yeah. And then they're like, "Hey, we have this guy. Seriously we're going to call it a slot receiver, and we're going to feature him." And Wes Welker's not a big guy. He's like five nine, like one hundred and ninety pounds. Yeah. And then Julian Edelman's, and then obviously the a lot of slot receivers these days. Yeah. But there is a there is a place for somebody that's under six feet tall, under two hundred pounds. If you can catch the football and you can move, yep. Sometimes they're slot receivers. Sometimes they're quarterbacks. No time like the present. Got to get our guy. Uh, let's see here. I got to get the correct verbiage here. I was uh, perusing Twitter yesterday. Perusing Twitter as I do often. Let's see here. He brings a sort of cap- uh, capability of talking Bucks vibe to the state of Wisconsin that no other sports show can. Grant Bills of Lisco Sports Show. Good morning, Grant Bills. Good morning, Emo. Good morning, Nelson. Good morning, RJ. Morning. Good morning. What's going on? Uh, well, what's going on? I, I'm not going to lie, guys. This is the first and most important thing I'm going to do today, so I haven't even thought about what Take a dump. Next. Oh, you oh, mean yeah. come on air. Come on, come on air. air with, come on air with us. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, something like that, yeah. Grant, your Sacramento Kings, another win last night. How's it another feel in one. the NBA playoffs? And another one. 
that game was. That game was really fun. And we got a classic Draymond Green right? postseason basketball moment Would where you, he just yeah. tried to Nadamakan do someone's chest in. So that's always entertaining, too. Would you like Draymond, like, if he was on the box, would you like him? Do you like him at, um, not on the box, I guess? I I got mad at him last night. I, I kind of, it depends on the situation with him. I think the most annoying thing was he stomped on the dude's chest and then he kind of act like a clown on the bench and he was like yelling at the crowd. I'm like, dude, come, I don't know. Draymond acting like, like I, a clown? Well, that's, that's rare. Like I'm here to I, we, we all, you know, we've shoved somebody. I've never stomped funny? someone, but I could see how it would happen. But let's not be a tool about it afterwards, you know? Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he's probably going to get on some podcasts and talk some smack, right, Grant? That's the other lame thing, is I know he's going to do a podcast about it. And that's not, I don't know. I don't know. A lot of people are going to listen to it, but I don't know. It's not good for his team. It's not good for him. Grant, you carry the torch of uh, the only sports show in Wisconsin that can, is able to talk about the NBA. So tell us, um, uh, on the Milwaukee Bucks, what is the best sports take out there, Grant Bill's Wisco Sports Show on the Bucks? I don't know. I just feel like. 90% of the reason they lost is that Giannis got hurt. Like, everyone's yeah. freaking out about three-point shooting and this and that and the other thing. It, it, like, if Giannis just plays the whole game, they, they win. Yeah. I think they win pretty easily. So, I don't know. If Giannis is able to come back on Wednesday, tomorrow, or or the Bucks just have a couple of days to plan for a game without Giannis, I think they're fine. I think they're 100% fine. Do the Heat shoot like they shot again? I mean, they were almost making NBA records for, like, well, they're like the third best team in NBA history to shoot. Um, it was like expected field goal percentage. Do the do the Heat are they yeah. able to do that? Continue to do that, Grant Pills. Uh, well, if if they if they can continue to do that, then they're the best basketball team I've ever seen right. in my life. Uh, the thing is, the Bucks only let them take twenty five threes. Like in twenty twenty, like when they lost to the Heat in the bubble, the Heat were taking like forty threes a game. Like they were jacking a bunch of them up. The Heat hit sixty percent of them. They're really efficient, but they only took twenty five, which is like nothing. So I, I weirdly think the Bucks did an okay job defending the three-point line and limiting attempts. The Heat just happened to make a lot of the shots they took. It's very, very, very weird. The Heat aren't a good three-point shooting team. They don't take a lot. I Yeah, you hope that that game's an outlier. I just felt like, you know, your friend Peter Bukowski the other day uh, during the game, Evo. Bukaki? They can't keep oh, doing this. Yeah. They can't keep doing this. They can't keep doing this. And every time he tweeted it, they did it again, and they made more threes. It's like, Pete, shut up. Stop tweeting that. They're going to keep hitting three. So I, I don't know. I don't here's, want to keep a but Here's the beautiful thing. Up. Here's the beautiful thing. Because Rowdy used to send me like tweets like that all the time, too, because I never see him. Here's, here's the beautiful yeah. thing about it. There's a button on Twitter called mute. And like, if you don't like something on Twitter, you can just mute it. And it's like, it works wonders. Like that's my, one of my favorite buttons on Twitter is the mute button. So I don't actually see those. I don't see those, but it's fun. When you guys bring it up, I do chuckle. It is, it is nice to it's, check in. The, as well. I think part of the, Part of the problem for me is that I like getting angry. I like going on Twitter <laughs> and seeing things that make me angry. That's half the reason I go on there. Yeah. So if all of a sudden I start muting people and everything's copacetic and nice, well, why am I there? Why am I on Twitter? I, I go there to get angry and argue with people. I, I can't lose that. I used to be like that on Twitter, and now I just realized that really doesn't matter because it's not real life, and it made my mental health yeah. much much better, actually, of and. I still get I still get the occasional DM of that stuff from Rowdy or you or RJ will throw one in the play once in a while. So it is nice to well, to plug back in a little bit once in a while. That's that's why you're my radio father and and kind of the leader of this this circus here is you are mature and you figure these things out. I, I have yet to get there. Uh, okay, you are a, you are a young whip, whippersnapper, uh, Grant Bills. So Thank you. if 
Giannis, let's say, isn't coming back for this series and they need to rest him a little bit. Do the Bucks stand a chance without Giannis? Yeah, I feel like they'd still be favorite. I, I'm interested to see if if we're if we learn that Giannis isn't going to play on Wednesday. I think the Bucks are still – well, Rowdy, what do you think, Rowdy? You know gambling lies much better than me. Don't you think the Bucks are still favored against the uh, Heat team without Tyler Hero on Wednesday? Well, if you just look at the series prices, I believe the Bucks were like minus 800 or so to win the series yeah. pre-game one. And then after the pre-game – or the first game, the series price for the Bucks to still win, knowing that Giannis hurt his tailbone, knowing that Hero broke his hand – the series price yesterday was Bucks still minus two thirty, so yeah. clearly so, they're anticipating the Bucks would still win this series, even being down one to nothing, and those injuries, like roughly sixty five ish percent of the time. The Heat are not, the Heat are not good. How is how is that for cogent analysis and details? Is that, is that they're just not a good team? Like they're, yeah, they're the eight seed for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Now now. There's something that, that eight seeds sometimes aren't. They're experienced, and they have confidence because they played in an NBA Finals, although it's a bubble NBA Finals, so it doesn't really count. But they are not the Magic from 2020 or the Pistons from 2019. They're an experienced veteran team. They're still not very good. So even if Giannis doesn't play another game in this series, I think the Bucks should still win. And honestly, I feel like they should win rather easily. I, yeah. I know Sunday's game was a little wild, but the Bucks are so much better than this Heat team. I felt like Sunday, there always was, like, the Bucks wanted to start a run. Like, you could feel a run almost happen. And then yeah. those Heat had an answer because they were hot shooting. Like, But <laughs> the Bucks can do it. They just, every time there was a chance, the Heat just kind of made them fizzle out with their hot shooting. And also the mood at the Cole, Cole Center, the mood at the <laughs> Pfizer Forum didn't really help out either, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I, and and another thing is every time they seem to get close, our guy Chris Middleton would make a boneheaded turnover. Right, he had thirty plus points, but yeah. Middleton had some some bad boo boos on Sunday that certainly didn't help, and they were trying to make a comeback. Yeah, uh, ready, Jeff? No, I was just gonna say, I you know, if you told me down one to nothing that Giannis wouldn't play the rest of the series, I don't know, I might I might say the Heat would be a slight favorite. Interesting. White Interesting. Well, I guess I, I hope that we don't have to find that out. I hope that Giannis is back on Wednesday and we we never know. Totally. Yeah, I, I haven't heard anything besides that um, they're hopeful that he plays game two. So, mm, I don't know. We'll yeah. Grant, uh, before I let you go, uh, anything else out of the NBA playoffs that uh, you want to get out there for anyone, like, you know, besides your Sacramento Kings? Anything else you've been noticing in the uh, the playoffs? Not to put you on the spot, but I am. Mm, interesting. <laughs> the King, I mean, the Kings, you guys got to watch some of these Kings. They're, they're electric. Like the beam. These crowds. These fans, they, they haven't seen this in, in 20 years. It's like they've been lost in the desert. So, like the beam. Kings and Bucks, for sure. Um, I don't know. 76ers. I'm, I'm pretty entertained by Lakers-Grizzlies. That's probably my other favorite series. Is, is Austin Reeves him? <laughs> I feel like that was the death of that phrase. Now that Austin Reeves yelled that, I, I feel like it's dead. We did, bring it up, we did bring it up yesterday. Like, this is a, an annoying celebration. It's... I'm yeah, him. I, I, I am him. I feel like it's dead. It's like get a bigger vocabulary. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Grant, yeah. I and, feel like that that phrase is dead now. And how's That's okay though? It had a good run. How's West Coast baseball treating you for the Brewers? Before I let you go. Oh, don't you love Brewers in bed? I love watching the Brewers in bed. <laughs> this team just keeps winning. It's. I fall asleep. Like that's. That's. It's a problem, Grant. 
That's okay. That's okay, though. You, you can fall asleep in bed to the soft, dulcet tones of Jeff Levering and the hum of the ballpark. Like, it's killer. It's great, don't you think? Grant, what would you what would you have said if like a noon game? I told you that by about the third week into the season, the Brewers would have the third best record at twelve and five, but the starting rotation would arguably be Colin Ray, Jansen yeah. Jansen Junk, Freddie Peralta, Eric Lauer, and Wade Miley. <laughs> How would you feel about that? I would have said, well, thank God Wade Miley is healthy, and God bless Craig Council for keeping the ship afloat oh, amidst all these have, injuries. That's what I would have said. Grant, we love you. We're really late. We're woefully late. We love you, Grant. We'll check you out tonight, Wolf 4 to 6. Wisco Sports Show, thanks for filling in for the Ben and uh, Grant Bills Michael show yesterday. Before I let you go, have you and Andrew Wagner patched anything up yet over your hate of uh, Joe Alexander or Jason Alexander and uh, his love of Wade Miley? Yeah. I, or I, other way around? Andrew. Andrew's just being a dummy. Like, I don't know. It'd just be better on Twitter. The Brewers pitching staff, uh, some injuries are out there. As Corbin Burns exited the game early after uh, having a peck injury. Kind of inside outs it, still barrels it up. Corbin Burns is calling for the trainer, and you see him grasping at his chest as Dave Yeager... And Craig Council both coming out. Chris Hook coming out. And Craig says, no. If you were feeling anything, get out. <laughs> you saw him shut it down. Get out. So Corbin Burns is going to leave this game after just 85 pitches. So there, you go, there goes Burns. At first, I thought he was having like a flare-up of myocarditis or something, the way he was grabbing his chest like that. But nope, it's a torn, uh, uh, not a torn, a, a strain in his pack. Yeah, now, Corbin Burns last night didn't have his best stuff. Like, he wasn't Corbin Burns from the start prior, right, where Craig Council comes out and says, that might have been the best he's ever looked. Yeah. But he was still getting it done. He was still pitching around it and still had a pretty solid outing for the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, five and one-thirds, three hits, two earned runs, and those runs, the earned runs came after he left the game. And then uh, three... Yeah, three strikeouts, right? He's on 85 pitches. Yeah, he, he, he did give up a home run, but yeah, yeah. The, the second run was given up when or, he yeah, left yeah. the game. Strzelecki. But, but yeah, they're saying it's just a strained peck. He is saying that the worrisomeness is low. Yep. Again, Craig Council and the Brewers, we know, especially in it. April, that they're going to be overly cautious because you can't afford to have your your top end of your starting rotation, your ace and your second best pitcher that would potentially be an ace on another staff, both be on the IL yeah, that's not good. with potential, you know, if it does go downhill season ending injuries. Yeah. I mean, so if Corbin Burns were to have torn his peck, done. he would be absolutely done. It's over. And, and he would be done for the year. There was no shot at him coming back. Yeah. Here's council. Council doesn't seem too concerned. Here's uh, Gregory. Uh, it's a uh, left pec strain, like chest muscle strain, pec, uh, pectoral <laughs> muscle. Um, Thank you, Craig. Minor. Um, you know, we'll just see how, it, not ruling him out for his next start. We'll just kind of see how he feels over the next couple of days. Um, he's pretty optimistic um, that, he, you know, he kind of did it in the tag in like the fourth and the fourth inning. Um, and he doesn't. Just kind of progressively got a little tight on him, um, and really, you know, kind of called us out there when he just 
thought it was didn't want to make it any worse. No one loves the uh uh the the Craig Council. He is a uh, just just an observation. Is that affecting his pitching? Do you think we were looking at the yeah? He saw he thought like and the. A little bit in the fifth, and then and then in the sixth, he just he didn't like how he was throwing the ball. That play was a big moment in the game, just to get out of the tight. Yeah, I mean that, that's like you know that that just shows a pitcher who is um, you know he's got to make a big pitch there, but he's still seeing what's going on around him. Um, so credit to Corbin right there. Heck yeah, that was a big play in the game. That was when the Mariners were threatening. They had two guys on, and for some reason, Suarez looked to potentially steal third. (laughs) Why in the hell is a slower third baseman trying to steal third (laughs) with two outs? Corbin got him, and then he sprinted as fast as he could to the dugout. It was hilarious. Uh, let's hear from. I didn't get it either, Rowdy. But we'll it, take it, it was a thank you. We'll take it. Yeah. Here's Burns though. After the game, Corbin Burns talking with his left pec strain. Yeah. Uh, what can you tell us about kind of what happened and what you were feeling out there? Yeah, so I think um, it's just kind of this this left pec area. Um, I think it was on the the, the tag play of the Suarez at third. I think it just kind of overstretched it. Um, so I'm not really sure what happened. Didn't feel it when it happened at the time. Um, when Ann sat down, it was a, we had a quick ending, so went back out. Um, felt a little bit. Thought it was more like a, kind of like a rib fell out of place or something. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing crazy. So um, got got through the fifth and when went in, sat down, and came back up for the sixth, um, warming up. I could feel it was starting to tighten up and kind of get cramped. Um, and then yeah, the, the first hit of Crawford, I had zero command or anything. Um, and then Julio there, um, Velo started to drop. And so just one of those things that would just start to cramp up, cramp up and tighten up, and it was affecting me mechanically and. Um, yeah, the more I threw, the more it was starting to get. Uh, there you go. So it sort of feel like a cramp to him a little bit. Sounds like people in the background were. Uh, Gus, sounds like Gus Varlin. Yeah, was Gus Varlin came into the clubhouse. What up, <laughs> And then he, did you hear he also, whoever that player was, said, hey, can I see it? Yeah. <laughs> so he obviously must have a bruise or something or a laceration from that b- comeback. Yeah, 105 mile per hour to the face, forearm, and hand. For Gus Varland. Burns, Craig doesn't sound too concerned. Burns doesn't sound too concerned. And you'd rather be cautious than... You know, I would say worst case scenario, there. they put Burns on the IL and he misses two or three starts. Yeah. If, <laughs> if it is how Burns and Council were reacting after the game. Yeah. Because who uh, knows? I mean, obviously he could have had some adrenaline going while he's playing oh and yeah. then wakes up today and goes, ooh, my pec really hurts. Yep. But, uh, yeah, for what it seems, yeah, at the most, maybe two or three starts he misses. Maybe he's back out there and doesn't even miss yeah, a start. Yeah, who knows? We'll see. We were talking earlier, though, about, uh, you know, some of the guys that have been playing extremely well, like Brian Anderson has been a, a godsend, a guy that had a really good 2019 with the Marlins, hit 20 home runs in a pitcher-friendly ballpark down in Miami. Now, all of a sudden, he came up with a couple of big hits for the Brewers last night. You have... um Owen Miller, who is a depth piece, a a bench utility guy who's swinging the bat really well. But I did want to talk about William Contreras because he was the big trade, right? The Brewers didn't have a ton of money spent when it came to signing players. It was Wade Miley and it was Brian Anderson. Well, looking back on it now, Wade Miley and Brian Anderson getting those two guys for less than eight, nine million dollars. That looks like a hell of a deal for the Milwaukee Brewers. But the big-time trade was William Contreras. They didn't have to give up a ton. They gave up Estery Ruiz, who was a triple-A guy stacked in an outfield with a ton of young outfield talent, as we're seeing. And they got a 
all-star catcher in William Contreras that was known as a great hitter. And William Contreras had a big hit last night that brought in a run. But if you look at his stats for the season, he's batting 313 now. He's got an on-base percentage at 400. So he's hitting the ball like they expected him to. But I did see a really interesting stat coming from some sports analysis, you know, databases. He was an awful defensive catcher. Like he made yeah. he made his name hitting the baseball. He was technically in the All-Star game like a DH hitting catcher. Darno was more of the defensive catcher for the Braves. Mm-hmm. Here is what some of these sports analysis uh, database is talking about for early framing leaderboards. Now, framing is when you're catching the pitch, and it's like stealing strikes. So if a pitch is outside, and maybe it's an inch or two off the corner, but you get it in, you frame it well, and it gets called a strike. Mm -hmm. So the 2023 early framing leaderboard, which catcher has the most called strikes that are outside of the zone? Number one. William Contreras at 48. He's number one so far this season when it comes to pitch framing. That is a hell of a lot better than where he was with the Braves. Now, we know that Craig Council and his staff have been really, really good since Council took over at coaching up catchers, making catchers better, especially defensively. Look at what they did with Omar Narvaez. Omar Narvaez was seen as a hitting catcher, and then he kind of struggled at hitting for a couple <laughs> seasons with the Brewers. But his defense got a lot better. His pitch framing got a lot better. He threw the ball above average. He turned into an above average defensive catcher. Now, when you look at Contreras, he's a guy that... He's only been working with this Brewers staff for, what, three months probably at this point? By the time you got the trade, he got into camp, they had spring training. It's only been about three months, and you're already seeing this big of an improvement. He he was a guy that he was below average. He was, I mean, it's crazy the, the type of improvement he's shown in three months. Brewers bringing the best out of him. And he's an extremely young player that we already know can hit. So if you can imagine that he can continue to frame pitches this way and maybe get a little bit better at throwing the baseball in the next year or two, and he continues to hit, he's going to be one of the top five catchers in baseball, and there's no doubt about that. Yeah. So that's a huge win for the Brewers this offseason. Everyone thought it was going to be a huge upgrade from Narvaez and Victor Carantini, and it is Big just time. in general. But now that he's above average defensively, that's huge. Yeah, giant for the Brewers. Uh, we'll talk more crew coming up first. Line one, good morning. Thanks for waiting on hold. Who's this? I hear you. Hello, line one. Hey, what's going on? Hey, what's happening? Oh, Tommy. Uh-huh. It, it is. Yeah, I was oh. just I was just waking up from that uh, analysis, that Bob Costas analysis. Thank you on framing pitching. Jesus, Rowdy, get a leave the basement once in a while. <laughs> so, man, I'll, I'll sleep better knowing that. Jesus, the entire <laughs> breakdown. It's like like I'm watching the Ocho here. Tommy Rage. Tommy, uh, are you a little upset today because you are a Mariners fan and they got totally bitched last night? You know. that's that's the whole purpose of my call. First, I'm sorry to hear about uh, Corbin Burns, and I was watching the game, and, of course, when they pull him in the game, all my friends back in Seattle text me like, is that dude just going on a beer run? Because we know that's what you do in Wisconsin. Is he just going for a beer? And I'm like, no, well, that's, you know, because really that's, 
That's we don't pull pitchers; they just go on a beer run. Well, and so hopefully, well, maybe that's why Craig Council pulls pitchers early, not because of injuries, because he needs a beer. That's exactly well. Okay, let's not hear Craig Council break down an injury report. Jesus, that guy was about four semesters short of getting his doctor's degree, wasn't he? Hopefully, the Brewers continue to play well on that West Coast trip. That was ten days, and I know for a lot of uh, Brewer fans, it's a lot of late nights. We have one more tonight, and then what's it tomorrow? It's, uh, what's tomorrow? Most of the time, no, it's, it's an afternoon. A, it's one, an afternoon game because three ten flying back. Three ten. Yeah. We got eight forty tonight. Three ten tomorrow, and then the Brewers have Thursday off, and it's the Red Sox at American Family Field. So it was a 10, 10 day road trip, right? Brewers are five and three. So worst case scenario, they had a ten day West Coast trip, and they went five hundred. That's a pretty solid 10-day trip. Totally. Brewers hot. Tommy, if you thought Rowdy was uh, going autistic on what you just heard there, we'll just wait for this one. I think one time uh, during the Aaron Ro- in the infancies of the Aaron Rodgers trade to the Jets, Rowdy, in his anger about the topic, had said in a perfect world he'd much rather talk about the young prospects for the Milwaukee Brewers. And I said, well, we like having listeners. But now... The topic of Aaron Rodgers is so beaten to death. If you want to hear it, just listen from 10 to 2 other places. So they continue to beat the dead horse. But Rowdy, now is the chance because there's a near and dear person to our heart, Keston Hira, who is still uh, down there in the minors. And then also you can tie it into what do you do with Christian Yelich, which will be a forever conundrum. Rowdy, the young guys for the Milwaukee Brewers, Yelich and our guy Kest Daddy, what do you got? Yeah, so if you we knew that the Brewers were going to have some question marks because you didn't exactly know what some of these young guys were going to give you in their first full big league season. Well, Garrett Mitchell's hitting two seventy eight. He's obviously playing above average defense, and they're showing that he can get on base and run a little bit. So he's played quite well so far. You look at Bryce Terang. I know he played second base, but he's a guy that also in AAA had played a little bit of center field. Bryce Terang is hitting 283, and again, he's playing above-average defense. He's showing that he can run a little. He's a solid defender. Joey Weimer was the third guy. Now, he didn't start the season on the opening day roster like the other two, but because of the Luis Rios hamstring, he was called up day two. He was the one that, at the beginning of the season, tied B.J. Surhoff's franchise record for a six-game hit streak to start his career. Now, Joey Weimer has kind of fallen on tough times. He's batting just 176. It's cooled down a bit. The one thing that I have to say about these three guys, though, is Garrett Mitchell, he was a guy that got a little bit of big league taste last year, right? We saw him get pulled up the last month of the season. He got to play a lot of center field when, man, the Brewers needed a lot of help in center field last year. But Bryce Terang came in, and he's been playing extremely well. But Bryce Terang was chomping at the bit in AAA last year. He played, you know, he had the last month or two, two years ago in AAA, and then played a full season in AAA last season. So he was kind of primed and more ready. Him and Mitchell were more ready than Weimer. In a perfect world, if Tyrone Taylor would have been healthy, Joey Weimer wouldn't be getting called up. Yeah. Like Joey Weimer had only gotten about six to eight weeks of at bats in triple a and Joey Weimer is a guy that could potentially be a five tool type player. That's his ceiling, a more athletic Hunter Renfro with maybe a guy that hits for a little bit better average, but Weimer in double a was striking out. 
I think it was over 30% of the time. And that's a huge issue because when you get over, when, once you get up into the upper 20s for percentages of strikeouts, that's pretty dang high. And a lot of people start to question that. But that was the crazy part because him and Freelick were both called up to AAA last year. Like I said, got six to eight weeks of AAA at bats. And Joey Weimer dropped his strikeout rate from roughly 30 down to roughly 20, which is a huge improvement. But the big question was, is he going to be able to, you know, drop his strikeout rate at the big leagues and being thrusted into action? He is struggling, but you're seeing some productive outs from him. Like last night, he grounded out to second base with guys on, scored a run. We weren't even seeing a lot of that with some of the guys in the past where it's just strikeout and then they never, ever get that run. Weimer, who is struggling, he does only have a strikeout rate at 23.5%. So he has been able to keep it down. But again, like I said, in a perfect world, he's not even a guy at the big league level. They would have liked to see him at AAA what's, for a full season. What's Yelly's strikeout rate again? Like Yelich was striking out at like 40%. <laughs> but even to the point about Weimer being thrusted into playing, th- I guarantee you if there was no contract situations with player service time. Yeah. Sal Freelick would be pulled up before well, Weimer. Owning. He's dominating. He's absolutely killed it in spring training. He absolutely killed it in World Baseball Classic. He absolutely killed it more than Joey Weimer did last year at the same exact Russian. levels that Joey Weimer was playing at. Mm-hmm. But because of MLB service time, he's a guy you probably don't want to pull up until the first week of May because you don't want his service time to start. And then we go back to the Chris Bryant rule with the Cubs because of money reasons. And the Brewers want their money. But yeah, he's playing right it really well. And I know we've mentioned it, but Jackson Cheerio is the top prospect in baseball and is killing it in double A right now this season. And he just turned nineteen not too long ago. But our old friend Keston Hero. Kest Daddy baby. Keston Hero, again, a, one of the top prospects for the Brewers, you know, a Can few years lefties. ago. Came up, absolutely destroyed it in twenty nineteen was on the struggle bus since he was the one that they waived, right? Didn't make the club out of spring training. Maybe they were going to try and trade him. Couldn't find a trade partner, put him on waivers. No one claimed him. No team wanted him. All he has done in AAA is absolutely rake. He is now one back to back player of the week awards in Nashville. He's crushing. He hit four home runs last week, two off a left-handed pitchers. And he's got six total home runs this season. Only 49 strikeouts in, uh, sorry, only 14 strikeouts in 49 appearances, which equates to a strikeout percentage of about 28.5%, mm-hmm. which is still right on that high level, but still not into the 30s or 40s, kind of like where you're seeing Yelich. So it would still be doable. So, I mean, they have a ton of guys that are right there and performing. And it's nice to see. The only problem is Christian Yelich makes a lot of money. That's that's the one issue. I was telling Ebo off air, if you would have taken all the contracts for Mitchell, for Hira, Weimer, Terang, we'll even throw in Freelick, they would be making a combined about seven ish million dollars. But Yelly's making almost twenty million dollars more than all of them combined. Oof, and that is clearly gonna play in left field for the time being. Yeah, at one point, did they even bench Yelich? Does it ever happen? Like, I don't know how you... Like, could, could he be... What's he batting right now? 217, 214. Could he be batting point zero one four fourteen 14 Rowdy, and they still wouldn't bench him? I mean, 
What about one fourteen? You hear some of the people. It's like he's betting one fourteen. Do they bench him? You absolutely can't cut him. That's no. that's ridiculous. It's not going to happen. You could try and find a trade partner, but you're likely going to have to eat a lot of that money, and you're not going to get a whole lot for him. Yeah, we already have a bunch of balls. But you see the people that are like, oh, well, you know what? You, you got to bench him. But then you're, the detractors will be like, well, it might piss him off. At this point, do you really care? What's I mean. It, <laughs> Shouldn't batting two fourteen piss him off? <laughs> you would think. <laughs> like, you would think. Like seriously. But at least, yeah, I think I, I think I'd give him until about June. You give him about eight weeks, see what he can do. But then, if he's continuing to to hit two fourteen or hit in the two twenties or what, you know, something clearly under two fifty, you might got to, th- you might have to think about moving him down in the order because. Bryce Terang, Garrett Mitchell, all those young guys are used to hitting higher in the order. They always hit the top five, yeah. you know, double A, triple A, and they're swinging the bat well. But I think you give them until about June to see what he can do. God, all right. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what Yelly, or we pray for the expansion and we can ship them out. Line one, good morning. Who's this? Hey, guys. Bill here. Hey, Bill. Hey. What's up, Bill? Hey, Rowdy. Do you think, is Yelly trying? You got to imagine he is, right? Or did he get all that money and went soft? This offseason, like, oh, he went into a secluded place, got his mind right, came back, and he was doing all this different hitting. He couldn't even go to one of the Brewer events because he was deciding to stay on the West Coast to hit. But it's not translating. I mean, did, did, when, when he signed the contract, wasn't it like a home, pretty big hometown discount? See, at the time, Bill, yeah. I, it was a great deal. They yeah. did get him for a discount because for the next, I believe it was at that time, the, the contract wasn't going to officially hit until last season. So they still had him on the cheap for two more years. Oh. It was only $26 million, and you had guys like Mike Trout and Bryce Harper signing for 30 35 And arguably after 2019 season, he was probably the second best hitter in baseball behind Mike Trout. I mean, I, I, my point is, I'm not saying that he's going to come back, but you know, I see all these guys that you know, you pay them the big contract and they completely fall apart because they quit trying. I kind of don't. I feel like he's working hard to do well, and I'm. I, I guess my, in my mind, you just give him a little bit more leeway than some well, of these it, other guys. Bill, it does feel like, like I, hate, he's put, I hate what's going on. Yeah, but, you know, it definitely feels like he's put in the work. I mean, he says all the right things. He does all the right. Well, he doesn't do all the right things, but like he says all the right things. And then once it comes to push or shove, he's he gets pushed. Well, like, and I'm with you, Bill. He seems to be trying different things to get back to where he was, but it's just not translating. I know, I know. I mean, if, but he passes the eye test that he's trying. You know, you look at him and you think, okay, this guy's working hard and it's bugging him that he's not succeeding. Right? And it, it, yeah, and he's yeah. clear he's clearly still interested in playing baseball. Like you can tell some of the guys, like you said, when they sign those big deals, they're super disinterested. You know, maybe they're not working out in the off season or they're not they're not doing the same things in spring training because they made their coin. He is doing it. Yeah. It's just he's still not. Yeah, good. during the offseason, like Rowdy said, he he turned off like he went dark. He turned off all social media. He went out. He didn't go Aaron Rodgers in full full darkness, but he went out like off <laughs> off the grid, and he was like trying to you know reinvent himself, kind of. So, I but I, Bill, this is what you know, I think <laughs> at this point. I give him one more season this year to see what he can do, but if he can't get back to borderline all star, I don't think it's ever going to happen because he's going to be thirty two years old next season, coming off of three straight horrible years if he continues to play like 21 and 22 where he's just not the same guy. I, I'm i all the way out on Christian Yelich if he can't get back to at least borderline all-star. 
And, and he's got what six more years on his contract? Correct. Mm-hmm. You guys remember Teddy Hagera? <laughs> he was before your guys' time, wasn't it? Well, I mean, I know the name when I was a kid. Yeah. So he was this big pitcher, and we gave him this big contract, and he pulled a Yelich, or Yelich pulled a Hagera. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do, right? It's kind of the, what is it, the nut kick continuum? The nut kick continuum, yep. Well, hindsight's twenty twenty, Bill, because like so every said, Wisconsin team. it was a great contract at the time. It wasn't going to kick in for a couple more years, but then, again, when you pull hindsight into this, they could have rolled that out for another year or two just to see how he looked after the knee. Maybe he went to gave him quite the uh, discount that he did, but you would have saw that he struggled mightily the next two seasons, and then he probably would have been like, eh, I don't think we're going to want to dish out $26-plus plus million a year. It's kind of like that Aaron Rodgers contract <laughs> last year, huh? <laughs> Ryan Gudikins is probably waking up at night like, what the – Truck. Did I do? Yeah. Hey, Bill. Uh, before I let you go, I know this is how committed Christian Yelich is to baseball. Do you know who Paige Sporanic is? Does ever, does anybody not? Okay, so you do. Are you right, talking good. about that hot blonde golf chick? Yes. This is how committed Christian Yelich is to the game of baseball. X Golf, when it opened up at American Family Field, Christian Yelich chose to send his brother, his younger brother, a realtor to go hang out with Paige Sporanek and open up X-Golf as he went to go practice hitting. That is how committed he is to the Brewers. He said, no thanks, Paige Sporanek. I'm going to take my ball and my stick and go try and hit. How about that, buddy? He sent his brother. I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm a big Christian Yelich guy because I, I, I know he's not succeeding now. I know I agree with everything Rowdy's saying. But I think somebody who gives a hometown discount, who work, is working that hard, I'll tell you what. He's somebody I want to see succeed. He's somebody I want to see make it. Yeah. And we're stuck with him. We might as well make it work. I mean, yeah. at this point, got to make it work. Would you Find have, a way to make it work. Would you have forgave him if he stepped away for a little bit to go uh, chirp at Paige Brandon for X-Golf, though? I definitely would. <laughs> Bill, you're the man, brother. You're the man, Billy. You guys, you, but that's the other thing. Isn't it weird that the, the Brewers had multiple seasons still left on Yelich's contract, making like roughly $12.5 a year, where they didn't have to give him the huge bump? but they did Yeah. where how many times have we complained about insert pitcher here that hasn't been given that big contract and overall Woodruff and Yelich for the, or sorry, Woodruff and Burns for the most part have been healthy. There's been no major injury issues. And he, like we said, Yelich was coming off that kneecap. They won't even extend them now, yeah. but they <laughs> extended him a couple years early and it kind of bit him in the ass. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's market. And is going to be, Gun shy, give us more. Of a it's weird that the Brewers stepped out of what their normal element was to do that, but it it totally makes sense it, at the uh, time. Yeah, totally, and then it just you know bit you can't fault the Brewers for doing it because it was great at the time. It just no, it couldn't have worked any worse. But now Mark Anazio is going to use it as uh, be like, see, I can't do this anymore. Who can it be now? Who's checking in on Aaron Charles Rogers? Uh, virtually no movement, obviously, between the Jets and the Packers. God, it was over a month ago that Rogers says his intentions were to play for the New York Jets. Still uh, not done yet. As the Packers' uh, new support over the weekend, them being, quote-unquote, stubborn, digging their heels in for that first-round pick. But uh, with the 2023 NFL draft, what is it? How many, are we, how many days away? Nine days away? 
mean, ten days away. Yeah, so we're actually going to have uh, Thor Nystrom uh, nine tomorrow. Days away. Yeah, nine days away. When Thor's on tomorrow, it'll be eight days for Thor. He was awesome. at. Uh, he joins us uh, usually after every draft. We'll get him before the draft, which is awesome. Hopefully after, too. Thor is rules. But draft nine days away, so things could start heating up with the Jets and the Packers for trade negotiations. Uh, been a one-horse race, really, with the Jets. No one else really been connected. But the Niners were mentioned. Uh, trade rumors centered around uh, Rodgers a couple of years ago, you know, and Matt LaFleur. Brian Kudukun saying that, you know, they fielded some calls, but they said no. Uh, Niners don't have a quarterback right now, Rowdy. Who's the only one that's healthy? Uh, the guy that has no talent, Sam Darnold? Sam Darnold. Let's see here. Trey Lance has no what? Ankle? Ankle. Uh, has Bird has no, no elbow. elbow. And Darnold has no talent. And Jimmy G is no longer with the team. And he has no moss. He is in Las Vegas. So the Niners have been linked to Rodgers as well. I mean, why wouldn't he? Rodgers, that was his team growing up. Uh, he hoped to be drafted by the 49ers instead, obviously, fell to the Green Bay Packers. So there was a report out there that they wanted to make a run at him. The Niners did if the Jets deal fell through. Now you can add another team to the list. According to a former NFL executive that spoke to uh, an NFL analysis network, the Tennessee Titans have reached out to the Packers about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, while the executive that spoke about this said, uh, does caution that a deal with the Jets is most likely, the Titans are a team to watch should talks fall through with the New York Jets. Uh, we actually talked about that a long time ago, Rowdy, that a fit for Rodgers would be the Tennessee Titans. And if I remember correctly, didn't Rodgers build like a house uh, down in the Nashville area? Yeah, wasn't it? He has connections to Nashville because he... He's got he, a music studio. Yeah, he bought the house, and then it was something with like a music and a record yeah. label or Rogers, something like that. Rogers owns a record label out in California. Also, Nashville is a hot spot, obviously, for music. Rogers has a house out there now. And now uh, the Titans... Uh, a franchise looking to embark a kind of on a rebuild would probably want Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and, and remember what the Titans are dealing with. They have, you know, Ryan Tannehill has been their quarterback. Remember they, they drafted uh, Willis, the uh, rookie last year, out of Liberty. Yeah. And he did not impress. <laughs> he was like, he was the draft like chosen one where it was like he was a you know third fourth round pick that all of a sudden flew way up because everyone loved his workouts but when he finally got in and played people weren't really excited about it no and Ryan Tannehill is what Ryan Tannehill is he is a great game manager he is a solid quarterback but he's nothing more than that he's not Aaron Rodgers and we have to remember that Tennessee their head coach is Mike Vrabel and Mike Vrabel and Aaron Rodgers have a really good off the field relationship. So it doesn't surprise me that they would be sniffing around, potentially looking for a deal. Yeah. And they have more draft capital yeah. than the 49ers. Now, uh, Derek Henry, obviously a centerpiece uh, for the offense for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, outside of that, what else is exciting about the Tennessee Titans? Uh, Traylon Burks? Yeah, but he was hurt quite a bit yeah. last season. They did have, what was it, Robert Woods, but he was coming off of a an knee injury. injury. Yeah. I be- Was Austin Hooper there last year? Hooper. He, he was a solid tight end I don't, of the past. Was he, was he there? I don't. I think he was. Um, let's see here. But yeah, Aaron Rodgers going there. I mean, underwhelming set of pass catchers. He's going to have a really good defense and a really smart head coach that's obviously more defensive-minded. He's going to have the running game, but you're right. The skilled positions, there's a, a lot more to be desired. I mean, who's better at skilled positions, the Green Bay Packers or the Tennessee Titans? But okay. also, 
I know it's the AFC, so you got to go through like the Bills, the Chiefs, yeah. you know, Cincinnati, right on down the line. But in that AFC South, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, yeah. who came on late last season, made it in the playoffs. Because Indy stunk. Yeah, they did. Houston yeah. stunk. And then there was Tennessee, who had a lot of injuries and had a down year. But Mike Vrabel overall has found ways to get lesser rosters into the playoffs pretty consistently. <laughs> it would make sense from a Tennessee perspective. But from a Rodgers But a Rodgers perspective, maybe not as much. Yeah. Unless he wanted to play with a buddy. Yeah, and it, you know he's got his buddy already in New York, right? I mean, Alan Lazard is wide receiver out there. He's also got his, you know, he wants Mercedes Lewis, Randall Cobb, Nathaniel Hackett, Nathaniel Hackett is, you know, Robert coach. Sala. Yeah, he's got buddies out there too. The Jets are the most likely landing spot, but it is intriguing to see, you know, the Niners checking in and now the Tennessee Titans, according to a former NFL executive, saying that they are also reaching out to the Packers should a deal fall through uh, with the New York Jets. Now. Again, the draft is nine days away. I can't wait to have Thor Nystrom on tomorrow to talk more about it and uh, get after it. But uh, I don't know. Rob Reichel last week and, you know, talking to people, this deal's probably going to get done. You're probably going to wait up till, what, 7 o'clock of draft night next Thursday. You'd imagine it would get done because Packers want to capitalize on the draft this year so they can have some pieces around Jordan Love. See, at this point, you know, I like Aaron Rodgers, think he's a great quarterback, but clearly the organization is moving on. I don't care where they send Aaron Rodgers. Like, I, you know what I mean? Are you in the same boat with me? It's they could like, send him to the Niners. I wouldn't care. Yeah, send him to wherever, maybe outside of the Vikings or Bears, but those aren't really realistic landing spots. Send him wherever, wherever you can get the most draft compensation yeah. at this point. I mean, do we really think the Packers are going to be Super Bowl favorites next year? Do you think it'll be playoff uh, hopefuls? I did see a little bit of uh, hubbub about what the Packers would potentially take. And it was multiple second round picks, you know, in the in the Jets scenario yeah. to load up on as many top 100 picks as they could to continue to infuse as much young talent into this roster as possible, where maybe they don't necessarily need the 13th pick. Yeah. No, uh, over the weekend, it was the Packers being stubborn because they want that first round pick. But if you remember a while ago, Brian Gutekunst, the Packers GM, did say that the trade does not need to include a first round pick. And that could go to that, you know, the additional second round picks, Rowdy, to have as many bites of the apple of the uh, 2023 draft. But I feel like. You have to get it done before the draft because you you want to get more young talent for this aging roster where you're going to be getting rid of some of the higher paid veterans you'd have to imagine the next year or so. Yeah. But at the same time, you, 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 you got to hit your draft picks. You have to. If, if you're going to take all of the Obviously. top, if you're going to get, say, we'll just say for, for fun, they get five or six top 100 picks. Those are the guys that normally come in and are impact players on your roster right away or, or at can least fill a role as a starting role. Yeah. You can't miss in the third round every single no. pick. No, and Brian Gutekunst has done just that, missed in the third round. Uh, the Packers, um, you know, still angling to uh, acquire the Jets' 2024 first-round pick. I think the hang-up is Woody Johnson and the Jets brass being like, well, what if Rodgers retires? We want some assurances on that. Uh, I think both teams should want assurances on what Rodgers does, right? Like, if you're the totally. Packers, if Rodgers is going to continue playing, you're going to want more draft capital in the future, whether that be a 2024 pick or 2025 pick, you know, based on how long he plays. And I 100% agree with the Jets. Hey, if this dude only plays one year, maybe 
maybe we only want to ship you two second round picks. Right. I get it. Yeah. I think it should be both ways. Totally. Um, I, I understand, too, like Woody Johnson saying that you know he was all in on Rodgers, then he heard the conversation on the Pat McAfee show about him being 90% retired, blah, 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 blah. I don't, I don't know how much I buy <laughs> Rodgers saying he's 90% retired. So but. we know that we don't know all the details in Aaron Rodgers' contract, right? Like, we learn, like, small snippets of details. Yes. That are, like, we know how much he makes, what the dead cap is, what it would be if he gets cut now or June 1st or blah, you know, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of different uh, stipulations in his contract on what happens. But I feel like at this point, does it? Yeah. Both teams need to be assured that they can get extra if he plays or less if he doesn't. Yes. Because you you can't go out there and be like, well, we'll just take two second round picks. Then he plays for three years. Well, it's a very it's very unique position to be would in this, for both would those this be sides. The, the most complicated potential draft or sorry, the most complicated potential trade in NFL history where it's like, Hey, the well, stipulation in this is if he plays three years, we get two seconds, a first, and then like a fifth. Well, so crazy because Aaron Rodgers is so good, but what the hell is he going to do? This is a guy that clearly is at the, he's at the end of his career. He's talked about retirement. You know, he's ta- talking about all his hallucinogenics and psychedelics, which I find to be awesome. You'll never find another player like this doing it again. And they're, well, they're active NFL player, you can shake the snake plumber talking about well after he's you know been retired. But it's like the guy's so good, four time MVP, Hall of Famer. He makes you a Super Bowl favorite. But are we going to have him for a year? Are we going to have him for two years? Are we going to have him for three years? <laughs> can we see the extreme deal where it's like, okay, well, say he plays for three years. Here's the trade: you get a second, two seconds. You get a first-round pick and then, like, a sixth-round pick. And then on the flip side for the Jets, it's like, hey, hey, hold on, buddy. But in this contract, if he only plays one year, you only get the two second-round picks, (laughs) and then we get a fifth-rounder coming back in 2024 if he only plays one year. Everyone wants assurances. And I don't blame them. We could have such a wide variety of what is ended up receiving from both teams. It's like, well, we might get two seconds. Well, we actually might get a ton or we might only get two seconds and then he quits. And then we're like, oh, and then we got to send back a fifth. <laughs> like, what the hell do we do? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? What will be longer? The potential trade scenarios of what has to be sent and received or Aaron Rodgers actual contract. I would love to be in each person's war room to, to hear what they're saying about it all. <sighs> Is he gonna be on? Uh, is he gonna be in Pat McAfee this week? We gotta watch. We gotta see what's going on. All right, there you go. There's so Tennessee Titans checking in, San Francisco 49ers checking in, but still, it's the uh, Jets and Packers looking to be the one to you know hopefully happen sooner than later. I don't know how anyone else can talk about this. But I don't know what else there's left to talk about the topic. Do you like what else is there left? The trade scenario. What picks are we gonna get? What? <laughs> What picks are we going to end up sending if he plays? How about this? Brian Gutekunst in your camp, you go pick up the Jets in their camp, fly to wherever the hell Rodgers was when he took ayahuasca. You guys go do your own ayahuasca circle or go to the darkness for four days. And when you come out, then you can decide what you can do with Aaron Rodgers. You know what? That's interesting you say that. I have no experience, but I have heard through other experiences for people talking about it that they all see the same thing. Maybe if they do their little ayahuasca circle, they all see the same trade and say, that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, because when you take DMT ayahuasca, there's always the same kind of beings. We're the machine elves.
There's also the man in the hat, Rowdy. And then weirdly enough, like the Keanu Reeves is walking down the street outside of the meeting room, and they're like, there's the one. There's the one. <laughs> and Roger's like, yeah, I love you and John Wick.